Now, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning a new series this morning through the book of Ephesians um, that we'll be going uh, through until Easter, uh, until uh, Easter time. And so we're going to be walking through uh, this letter uh, together. A lot of uh, uh, richness uh, to this uh, letter, you know, just some background uh, information, right? Uh, um, uh, this letter uh, to the church at Ephesus was written nine years after uh, Paul had first uh, gone to this area, uh, gone to this city, uh, which was known as a, you know, metropolis, really, uh, nearly half a million people there. Uh, he went there, stayed there for a short time during what was known as a second uh, missionary journey, uh, took some folks with him, right, talks about it in Acts chapter 18, then left, uh, did ministry elsewhere, then on his third missionary journey, he went back uh, and stayed there for a few years, right, and uh, saw God do a great work uh, in the life of the church there. Uh, Acts chapter 19 chronicles that, all that the Lord was doing there. Uh, and then he visited one more time in Acts chapter 20 before he uh, went back to Jerusalem where he was arrested, uh, taken to Rome, right, to sit uh, in prison. Uh, and that is where he writes this letter to encourage the believers there in uh, Ephesus. Um, the city uh, of uh, Ephesus, right, uh, like I said, nearly half a million people was really the metropolis of uh, the eastern world at that time. Uh, man, had a lot of good things going. Wealthy city, right, was really the gateway to Asia is what uh, uh, many folks uh, said. But right uh, within the city, man, there was a lot of... Uh, um, divination, uh, devil worship, right? There was a temple dedicated to one of the goddesses of the time, the goddess Diana, that was worshipped, known as the goddess of fertility. And so all kind of uh, evil licentiousness was going on there uh, at that time. And what Paul was doing in going and sharing the gospel and seeing folks saved was that he was ruining business uh, there. Uh, right. Uh, a lot of folks didn't need to worship little statues and little gods whenever they met the real God, the big G God. And so folks were annoyed with uh, him. But the gospel uh, progressed uh, evermore. And so we see him write this letter to uh, the church at Ephesus really as uh, an encouragement, uh, but also a challenge for them to continue on forward. Uh, which, by the way, we know good and well, right, uh, uh, in Ephesus, they had probably some of the best preachers uh, of all time. Paul was a pastor there at one point in time. Uh, his mentor or his mentee, I should say, Timothy, uh, was a pastor there as he, when he wrote this letter. Uh, we know John, the apostle, uh, pastored there for a bit. Right. Uh, and, and so they had some of the best preaching, some of the best pastors that were there. Uh, but even they needed a little encouragement. Uh, just as we need encouragement in these days. And so uh, you'll see in the book here, it's divided into really two sections, right? Uh, as as is custom in Paul's letters, uh, the first three chapters speak to doctrine, right? Who we are in Christ, what it means to be in Christ, uh, the blessings that we have in Christ. And then the latter three chapters, chapters four through six, speak to uh, practical living. Now that we are this new creation, now that we're in Christ, what does it look like uh, to live in him? Doctrine uh, and then uh, practice. And we start out by uh, reading perhaps one of, man, the most uh, um, uh, uh, doctrine-filled passages in all uh, the scripture. Ephesians 1, 
Uh, we're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to read through verse 14. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And uh, we'll read uh, together. That's what it says here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful uh, in Christ Jesus and are walking in him. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verses 3 through 14, you may see a lot of periods uh, in uh, your scripture. This is actually in the Greek one whole sentence. Uh, the longest sentence that we see right uh, in uh, the scripture, Paul outlining right what we have in Christ. And this is what it says. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Paul here in this rich sentence highlights and outlines, right, the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Did you know, right, that you are blessed and highly favored? Right. I know I, I, I love, you know, saying that phrase whenever sometimes I get something free or get something that I don't deserve. Man, look at me, man. Hey, I'm blessed and highly favored. Well, can I go ahead and tell you if you're in Christ, man? Hey, listen, you really are blessed in him. Blessed beyond measure. Right. Blessed beyond measure is what Paul speaks of here. And he highlights here all the different blessings that we have in Christ. He's speaking to, by the way, a uh, a mixed context. You've got Jewish people there. We know Ephesus, man, there was a ton of Jewish folks that lived there because there was a big temple there. Paul, man, he went and shared the gospel there. And Acts 19 talks about it. But also you've got a major Gentile group. And you'll see throughout the book, right, that uh, uh, Paul talks about how, man, in Christ, man, the two have become one. The dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile has been broken. But also, man, at the end of the day, all of us, man, anyone who comes to faith in Christ, man, hey, they are part of this blessing in him. Man, the good news today is that, hey, we have been blessed in Christ. And that's what I've entitled the message today. Man, blessed in him. Yeah, you you may not have a ton of money in your bank account, but hey, bless God, you're blessed in him. 
Hey, you may be going through man trouble in your life, but bless God, if you're in him, hey, you're blessed in him. Blessed in Christ. Why don't we pray one more time together? Lord God, we do love you. We thank you, Lord, for God, the truth that we are blessed in you, Lord, blessed beyond measure. God, I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would remind us of. God, the many blessings, right, that we have in you, Lord, I pray that as a result of the remembrance of those things, Lord, that you'd stir our affections for you more deeply, Lord. I pray that, God, because of what we have in you, Lord, that lead us to worship you, Lord, with our whole heart. It'd lead us to be folks that, that look to live, God, in accordance to your will and to your word. Be folks that look to uh, live, as Paul talks about in another letter in Philippians 2, Lord, live as bright lights, Lord, not grumbling or complaining about things, but but looking to shed light because of who we are in you. God, we ask and pray that you would speak to us, meet us here. Meet us here. God, and we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Blessed in Christ. Blessed in Christ. How are we blessed in him? What are the blessings that we see, right, Paul talked about here in this sentence in Ephesians chapter 1? Well, there's two uh, main blessings. I got a couple. So I got two main points, but I got a couple sub points. So uh, you take it as you will. But but we see here in the text, hey, two right main ways out of many that we are blessed in Christ. The first uh, man way that we're blessed in him is this in Christ. Hey, we are now a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. Go back to the text. Look what he says. Uh, He says this, even as he chose us in him from the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Paul, man, is speaking to this mixed context of believers and is letting them know, hey, look, in Christ, now you are a part of the family. You're part of the family. You've been chosen, man, in him. And you are now his, man, the family of God. We sing an old song back in church, right? I'm so glad I'm a part. Of the family of God, man. Hey, I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Hey, join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. Hey, I'm a part of the family, the family of God. Thank I'm thankful for the Lord. He brought those lyrics back to mind. I had forgotten that second part just a second there, but thankfully he brought it back to mind. But you get what I'm saying. Hey, we are, man, in Christ, the family of him. It says that we've been chosen. Well, before I continue, right, uh, man, you read and hear that word chosen and all of a sudden your antenna may go up thinking, wait, what? Hey, what does that mean? So God chooses, man, some to be in his family and he doesn't choose others. What does that mean? Well, I'll go ahead and tell you, hey, listen, there is great mystery when it comes to right. The sovereignty of God and the hey, personal responsibility of mankind. Right. It is great mystery. And how those two are married uh, together. I know this, though, in the context here, right, Paul is not is, is speaking to, right, an audience, um, you know, in terms of uh, multiple people. So it, in the context here, it's corporate, right? He's not talking about individual election, right? He's speaking, right, uh, corporately to a group of people. And what he's saying is, hey, listen, hey, those of you who've been chosen, 
Man, the reason why you've been chosen is because you placed your faith in the chosen one. Hey, those of you who, who are part of the elect, you're part of the elect because you've placed your faith in the elected one, in Christ. There is a great mystery, like I said, in these two being married together. He's not simply saying, hey, look, man, hey, because of, man, how good of a person you are, man, you've been chosen to be a part of God's family. He's not saying, hey, because of your church attendance, hey, you've been chosen to be a part of the family of God. Hey, there's nothing that we could do, right, to be chosen. Man, it's what he did in laying his life down on Calvary's cross and us choosing to respond to the gospel. That we're part of the chosen family of God. We're blessed in Christ because, hey, we are a part of his family. He goes into specifics there and talking about, right, uh, how uh, we became a part of uh, his family. Look, look what he says. He goes into specifics there, right, in verse 5. He says, hey, we, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Hey, we're a part of his family, right? Because we've been adopted in. We've been adopted into his family. We've gone from enemies of his to a part of his family. Now, in order to understand the significance of this, you've got to understand how ado- Roman adoption worked, right? Those children who were adopted, right, had all the rights and responsibilities, right, that a natural born child had. And what's even greater is, oh, watch this. What's even greater is, hey, according to Roman law, once that child was adopted, hey, the parents could not get rid of the child. The child was forever a part of their family. Oh, man, look, don't miss the picture. We've been adopted in him. When we placed our faith and trust in Christ, man, we've been adopted into his family. And we are his and his forever. Hallelujah. We're his and his Forever. Well, Pastor, what about that person, man, that said that they were saved and, man, now we're running around doing their own thing? Well, First John tells us, right, uh, and speaking in context, there are those that says uh, those that were of us, man, when they left us, man, they, they really show that they weren't really of us. Hey, the wheat and the tares, they, they grow together. The reality is, hey, those that may run away from the Lord forever, right? Maybe they weren't a part of the family to begin with. And they never trusted in Christ. We see this beautiful picture that we've been adopted in and to his family and we're his and his forever. Look at this. Uh, look at some of these scriptures here. Romans 5, 6 through 8. It says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time, right, Christ died for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person one will dare even to to die but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us right it speaks here about hey we've been adopted right and it's because of his love man he adopted us and then Galatians 4 4 through 7 says it like this but when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you were sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through 
God, man, we have been adopted in this family. But not only that, right? Hey, we end up becoming a part of his family, right? We've been adopted. But also he uses the term uh, redeem there in verse 7. We have been redeemed. It says in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to his richness in, his riches in grace. The final, uh, I love what one commentary says, the fundamental idea of redemption is that of, uh, it's that of the setting free of a thing or person that has come to belong to another. Literally means, right, to be bought back. Being bought, being bought back meant to be, hey, set free. And that's what Christ, man, has done. When we came to trust him as Lord and Savior, man, hey, we've been bought back. We were slaves to sin, enemies of him, man, and he bought us back by his blood man he paid it all on calvary's cross man and now we're his and his forever when i think of buying back right i think of the times when i was a kid man uh, uh, frequenting pawn shops you know hey these were the poor days brother Dwayne. man i was broke back then wasn't getting nothing hardly anything new frequenting the pawn shops you know and uh you know buying that old uh Xbox, you know, that was worn down, you know, or buying that jewelry, you know, retail it was a thousand bucks. There it was ten bucks. They said it was real, but we know it would. We know it would. Buying it back. And no matter, right, the condition it was in, man, when I bought it, it was mine. And mine forever. And hey, I could clean it up, fix it up. Right, but it was my possession. In the same way here, Paul is making that, hey, making this comment, hey. Man, at our worst condition, man, the Lord bought us back by his blood. He's cleaned us up. Man, and has made us right with him. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says it like this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. Hey, for you were bought with a price. So therefore glorify God in your body. And then speaking to atonement, Hebrews 9, 11 through 14 says it like this. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves but my beings of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh how much more will the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to god purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God, right? His blood is what bought us back, right? What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood. And his blood, right, was the payment, the atonement for your sin and mine. Like I've said before, that's the only reason why, man, Jesus is the only way back to God. There had to be some kind of payment for our sin. And the only, hey, the only sufficient sacrifice, only sufficient payment was the blood of Jesus. I'm glad he shed it. And I'm glad, hey, the news got to me so I can repent and trust in him. Man, and I hope you're glad too. We see that we've been 
redeemed. But thirdly and lastly, right, uh, uh, the third uh, perk, if you will, in being a part of the family of God, right, it says here in verse uh, 9, right, that we have been given insight to God's will. Not only have we been adopted, not only have we been redeemed, but man, in Christ, hey, we've now been given insight to the will of God. Paul here in verse 9, look, he says, Hey, he's making making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In the context here, right, he, he's speaking to uh, the reality of one day he's going to make man things right again. He's speaking to uh, the ultimate plan from the beginning, right, that being the gospel for for all mankind to be able to hear it and have the opportunity to come to know him. But also we know, right, just practically speaking, personally speaking, that in Christ, hey, we now have access to know his will for our lives personally. We now have the opportunity and the ability, man, to to, to know what, what God's plan is for us. We can know God's will and direction for our lives. Man, he gives us wisdom, man, and direction for what it may be. Man, we hey, we don't have to live uh, lives aimlessly, uh, if you will, like those that don't know Christ do. We don't have to, man, uh, you know, walk uh, in darkness, if you will, right? Wondering, hey, what my purpose in life is. We can, we have access, man, to His uh, will for us. We know in the Scriptures, right? It talks about what His will is for all believers, right? Uh, no matter what season of life you're in. We know that, man, he, uh, he's given us a call to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel call. Man, he's called for us to live lives dying to ourselves and living for him. He's called for us to make disciples. He's called for us to share the gospel with the lost. He's called for us, right, to invest in the Lord's work uh, in the church. We know those things, but, man, when it comes to our particular, you know, what God's particular will is for our life, man, we can learn that as well as we walk with him. I'm thankful for that. Hey, I'm thankful that we can have purpose in this life. This life doesn't have to be purposeless. We can have purpose. What a privilege, what a perk that we have in him. And we can know his good and his perfect will. Since we are his and he is ours, hey, we have, man, this kind of access to know his good and perfect will for our lives. Man, I'm thankful to be a part of the family of God, and I hope you are as well. Man, we see that we, in Christ, man, are a part of the family. Blessed in Christ because we're part of his family. But secondly and lastly, hey, listen, we're blessed in Christ. Man, because in Christ our future has been secure. Hallelujah. Paul here, right in this long sentence, uh, we see... um, uh, you know, the, the Trinitarian doctrine, right, uh, uh, spoken of here. We see him talking about, man, God the Father. We see him talking about God the Son, Jesus Christ. And then verses 11 through 14, he speaks to God uh, the Spirit. Uh, and he speaks to how, right, in Christ, man, our future is now secured, right? Hey, we've been saved, man. Hey, we're, we're his. We've got a plan and a purpose. But now, man, hey, our future uh, is secured in him. We now have a hope and uh, a future. Look back at the text. He says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things 
according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Man, we have a hope and a future. I love what Tony Marita uh, said, pastor in North Carolina. He says this, apart from Jesus, our future is not hopeful. It is tragic. Man, so true. So true. Man, in Christ, our future has been secured. How so? Uh, how so? Well, he says it here. First and foremost, right, we know that we have an inheritance uh, in Christ. We have an inheritance. Verse 11 and 12 speaks to uh, that, right? It speaks to um, the value, right, that uh, a God, um, you know, has for us. Man, we're his. We, we're uh, his inheritance. But also it speaks to, man, what is to come, what we will inherit uh, one day. Hallelujah, right? Uh, uh, the inheritance ultimately is him. It's him. Bible says, man, we're going to be one day have our glorified bodies, right, worshiping at the throne Right of Jesus Christ forever. No more pain, right? No more suffering, no more struggle. Hey, we're going to be worshiping with the other saints, right? That, by the way, aren't going to look like us, right? We're going to have saints from every tribe, man, you know, uh, uh, every place on earth worshiping him forever. That, that's the inheritance. It's him. And that is to come, right? Since now we have placed our faith and trust in him. One day that is coming. Man, we'll be with him, be with him forever. Brother Ed, when I think of inheritance, um, think of it's been almost two years now, uh, getting a chance to go uh, to Uganda for the first time. You know, it's kind of a, you know, somber reason why I went. You know, we were um, uh, putting my dad to rest. Um, and I remember the day of the funeral, sitting there, just kind of collecting my thoughts. I knew I had to say a couple words. And all of a sudden, one of my aunts came in. And she said something to my mom, and she threw me a little uh, gown of some kind. And I'm like, what's this? You know what? And my mom said, yeah, um, you're supposed to put that on. I'm, said, I'm saying, what for? You know, and she's like, yeah, that, that's to signify that uh, you're like the new chief leader of the tribe here. I'm thinking, huh? Y'all didn't tell me that. We had a long flight. You could have let me know beforehand that this was coming. What, what are you talking about? And... They, they said, yeah, so, you know, you're, you're next in line with your dad passing. You're next in line, right, to inherit this land one day, man, when the time comes. And so the whole ceremony was uh, pretty interesting. You know, I'm standing up there. They're saying all these things. I remember thinking, Brother Ben, man, I wish I would have taken time to learn the language when I was a kid, being stubborn, know what they're talking about. For what I know, they could be making fun of what, how I was wearing the gown that I wore. Didn't know what they were saying. But... Remember standing there, you know, and, and walking through the whole process of things and, you know, them, them essentially sharing, hey, what the inheritance looked like, the, the amount of land that was plotted to me. Right. And the whole time they shared, hey, look, hey, one day, man, th- this is going to be yours. It's going to be yours. What Paul is saying right to these believers, man, is that one day, hey, this inheritance you're going to be able to receive. Which was a big deal, right? The Jewish believers that were there, right? Hey, they were, you know, God's, pe- you know, God's people by ethnicity, 
right? They had always heard about that, right? They placed their faith and trust in Christ and they were good. But, but the Gentile Christians, when they were there and they read this from Paul, man, hey, they were shook up. That, you mean to say that we're a part of this too? We're gonna, we're gonna receive this too. We are. And the inheritance, man, is for us as well as Romans 8, 17 says, hey, we are joint heirs with Christ. As we just read in Galatians chapter 4, hey, we're heirs. And one day looking to receive this inheritance that's given to us. And we have an inheritance. That's how we know that our future is secure. But also this, we know that our future is secure because we have the Holy Spirit uh, with us. He says that in verses 13 and 14. Man, we've got the Spirit of God. Man, that dwells uh, in uh, us. He says, in him, you also, when you heard the truth, word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Right, Paul here speaks to, right, uh, the possession of the Holy Spirit as a mark, right, of, number one, a true believer, But he goes into specifics and to sharing, right, what this means in terms of our future. He first speaks to, right, the fact that the Holy Spirit is a seal, right, a seal of authentication, right, literally a mark, right, identifying the fact that we belong to Jesus. We belong to him. That's how we can know that we're his, right, is is the spirit at work in our life, which, by the way, I'll go ahead and throw this in free of charge. Hey, it. If it's been a while, right, since the spirit of God, right, has given you direction, has spoken to you through his word, right, has led you. If, if there's I should rather say if there's never been a time that that's been the case, you, you may not be a believer. The Holy Spirit, right, is a seal of authentication, us belonging to Christ. Right. But also, right, we see that this seal is a guarantee of our inheritance, and what is to come, right? That word guarantee, you know, you could uh, liken it to an engagement ring. The Lord, hey, you know, uh, gave us his spirit, you know, essentially as an engagement ring. One day, we're, we're still in these, hey, you know, fleshly bodies. One day, the Bible says, hey, we're, we're going to be together with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? Uh, uh, in our bodies, right, that have been glorified. And what was faith will become sight one day. And what Paul is saying is this, hey, you, you can, man, take it to the bank that your future is secured because, man, the spirit of God that you have inside of you, hey, it's a guarantee of what's to come, right? Guarantee of what's to come. And we can rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. One day, man, we'll acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory, as it says. Here. Says here, hey, listen, we have a future that's secure. Hey, I'm thankful for blessed assurance. Hey, I'm thankful that I know where I'm going. Man, when I die, I'm thankful that I know what's to come. I'm thankful for that. And what Paul says, hey, that is a blessing that we have in Christ. Not everybody can say that. That's a blessing that we have in Christ. Man, so much I can highlight and take away from this passage here. But I 
go ahead and land the plane with just some responses for us here. So, so what, what does this mean for us in the now? Blessed in Christ. All right, Pastor, if I, hey, I've read this passage. I've heard it before. What, what does it mean for us in the now? Well, it's, it's two things. They're not on the screen, but I'll go ahead and tell you. It's two things, right? It ought to be our response, our responses, man, in our everyday life anyway, but, but just good reminders for us, right? The first response is this, hey, man, to, to choose to praise. We were talking as, uh, you know, band and tech folks this morning, right, before we prayed, man, just, man, really asking for the Lord, right, to stir, man, our affections for Him. Stir. And a yearning for, for him and a desire to want to praise him. And man, looking at a text like this and seeing, right, what we have in Christ, man, man, it ought to lead us to be folks that are people of praise in every season of life. And praise him. He's alive and well. Praise. And when we ought to choose to praise. And then. And then secondly and lastly, right, another response, man, that ought to be real and personal in our life is this, to choose to proclaim, right? First Peter tells us, man, we ought to be people that look to proclaim the excellencies, man, of him. Man, this good news of what Christ did on the cross came to us. Man, and the call for us is to take this good news, man, to everybody else. We'll see throughout the rest of the, the passage here, right, that, that God's heart and desire, man, is for all folks to, man, hear this good news. And it's come to us. We've been blessed. It's come to us. And so, man, we ought to be willing to proclaim it to others. Proclaim it to others. Man. Blessed in Christ. We've been blessed in him. Man. When you read a passage like this, man, it ought to. Man, it ought to lead you to respond uh, with a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. It ought to lead you, man, to be one who can't wait to share Jesus with those that you know, are around you that are lost. And so may that be said of us, man. May that be said of us.